Lauren, uh, I'm a bit nervous. We're sitting here. The show's about to start. I've decided that for Thanksgiving, it's only appropriate that I fill the studio with as many of my relatives <laughs> as I can possibly round out. And I'm not sure this is going to be the best idea, but it'll be something. How about that? It'll be something. Sure, Jet. <sighs> deep breath, deep breath. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. Just keep calm and be relaxed. That's okay. my advice. Okay. They'll be here any minute. So what should we let the folks listening know until they get here? We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery on the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. That's it, and visiting information is at juddshill.com, and while you're online, you look around. We offer some really fun, interactive wine experiences beyond just uh, tasting. We've got fun videos to see, and you know what? We've got wine. What do you think? If you've put some wine in your uh, shopping cart there online, Lauren, let's give him a deal. Just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code JNVS and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. Lowercase letters, please. Yes. Indeed. No capitals. Right. Should we give him a better deal? You can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. That's right, and we guarantee a great deal on the wine, access to all our wines, and invitations to fun events, parties, etc., etc., etc. Good times, guaranteed. And I, well, I see a couple cars pulling up. This, this might be it. Okay, once more, deep breath. Let it out. Luckily, I love my family. I'm not too nervous. You just never know what's going to happen, that's all. Exactly. You just never know what's going to happen when you have the relatives over. Oh, here they come. Okay. Okay, and now, on with the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. When nothing goes right, go left. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's a special Thanksgiving edition of Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, John Finkelstein. Hey, thank you so much, Mr. Lauren Mole. You are looking very festive and holiday-like. You've got your wintry sweater with that nice uh, uh, print. Looks like you should be in an alpine village, maybe hitting the slopes, doing a little yodeling. If possible. If, <laughs> sure. You ever yodel? I know you, I know you no. sing with the choir. and No. No yodeling. No. No. Do you ski? No. Do you sit in alpine lodges and sip hot cocoa? Uh I only go with the hot cocoa part. Okay, but but not in Alpine Lodges. No. Okay, well, you know what? You look the part. You look good. You look like the holidays are upon you. I well, thanks, Judd. Same with you. Well, oh, thank you very much. I, I try. It's a bit brisk. I'm wearing a sweater. It's not as festive as yours. That's all right. These are the times when we should have that webcam that you so dearly want in the studio. Well, I hear there is going to be one when we move to the new building next year. You, d- you did hear that? I did hear that from our very own Will Marcencia. Well, Will, you're on the spot. There's going to be a webcam. I'm not turning it on during my show, though. Oh, no. And it's not because I'm embarrassed of anything, but I think radio should be a theater of the mind. You know, conjure your own images as you listen in. I think we're too assaulted by uh, 
stimuli these days. And, you know, just sit down, close your eyes if you want, listen in, make it what you will of your own vision. Let's put it that way. No need to spell it all out. Fill in the blanks yourself a bit. How's that? Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> at, least for, at least for my show. At least for now. If they'll, if they'll go with that. Holidays are upon us. Thanksgiving. Yes. We'll get to that. But other than that, because that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So we don't need to get into that right away. That's all right. <clears throat> How about you in general? Anything good happening? Are you singing at any major league sports events? Actually, uh, not at the moment. Okay. So, but I do have to bring up something, though, important, Judd. All right. Something that happened on Wednesday night. Yes, I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Let's talk about this. It was the end of an era on Wednesday night as the Napa show with Artie Party ended its 13-year run on Napa TV Channel 28. Oh, amazing, man. And how many years were you involved in this, in this icon of Napa television? Eight years. Eight of the... Wow, so... Most of it, most of the run, well, Lauren Mole. Well, I only missed the first five years. Right, amazing. Wow. So, so now what? What? what what's Artie going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, well, Artie's going to probably do other things on Wednesday nights. But in the meantime, <laughs> for right now, now I'm just stuck with you. You're just <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'm not exactly sure how to take that. But yeah, so uh, uh, actually, uh, <laughs> I I now plan to be working at Knob Hill on Wednesday nights. But yes. unless something changes. Unless they might have a new host on Wednesday nights, but we don't know yet. Maybe you can make it your poker night or something like that. Not really. No, okay. <laughs> I'm not into poker anyway. Okay, fine. That's probably for the best. Well, I'm glad to have you. Even, okay. if, you, if, even if you say you're stuck here. I'm well, for now. <laughs> Which means, that means I have a fear that you people of the county of Napa may not be able to see me again. Oh. oh. Okay, the web... Should, well, should something happen? Well... Should things change? Well... Perhaps there's there's always opportunities for another show at Napa TV. You know that. You know you could right. come up with your own concept, and they'll they'll put you on the air with your experience. Well, sadly, it's not going to be me as the new host. I'm just saying you can come up with your own concept and pitch it to them, and they'll put it on. They're always looking for new talent. You could make the Lauren Mole show. Anyhow, something we can talk about. Maybe there's a producer listening who would like to take on Lauren Mole and help him have his own show. Which would be great. You're always up for comedic bits, and you're a good talk show host. So, so let's go for it. Let's rally around. Let's get Lauren back on camera. That's right. I need to get back on camera somehow. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so what's been going on with you, Judd? I'm sorry you couldn't make it in last week. Me too. Me too. Day job got in the way, but but we're here today. And as far as anything, I don't want to talk too much about anything else because we have such a big show. I just want to mention that the uh, I think the this is the second annual, 10th annual Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny is coming up December 10th. That's a Sunday. It's from noon to 2.30. It benefits a, the um, Community Health Initiative, Napa County, which is napachi.org. You can find out about this wonderful organization that, that ensures that all of Napa County's residents have access to health care. So please uh, look them up. Come to the Hanukkah Hootenanny. Information is at judshill.com, and you can click on the events tab. Come join us. It's fun. That's all I'm going to say about it. Fun sounds, and surprises. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Man, 
Mr. Uh, I know, I know. It's bleeding through. We can hear Bob, Bob St. Saint- Laurent. I know. Boy, he's got a voice. I'm telling you, we've got all the doors closed, and he's still coming through this studio. Well, I hope the new building will have a bit more soundproofing here. We love Bob. Nothing against him, but uh, he's oh, simulcasting no. without, uh, <laughs> without flipping the switch. This is coming right through into our studio. Anyhow, we've got quite a group here today, Lauren. Oh, oh we do. Would you mind doing the honors? Sure, Judd. Yeah. Today's guests will get a Judd in-joke, and we hope not to get a verbal pin-poke. They've come to sit here and spread some Thanksgiving cheer. It's all of Judd's kinfolk. (laughs) That's true. Say something, kinfolk. Uh, I've never known you to be speechless, so (laughs) this is it. I've, I've, I've gathered together as many relatives as I possibly can, because what better way to celebrate Thanksgiving than just... Load up a room with relations and just let them go. Um, we were expecting two more, but they canceled, I guess, at the last minute. We've got uh, an illness, somebody doing something with kids. But I will introduce here from left to right. Remember, this is radio, so you can, you can speak. Um, this, again, as I said, I've never known this group to be speechless. Uh, as, as I'm looking at them from uh, left to right, my, my mother's sister, Aunt Marcia. Greetings. Hello. You get right on that microphone, right on it. My mother... Good morning, everyone. <laughs> and my father's brother, my uncle Allenstein, no stranger to this show, Napa Valley's most interesting man, as we've said. Good morning, doctor. When can we eat? Get, get right on that microphone, please. Get right on it. Right. When can we eat? How come your microphone is not, it's not, uh, it's not broadcasting? It's not coming through. Uh, doctor Steen just asked, when can we eat? I Any time here, but I'm, I'm more concerned that his microphone is not on, and I've got everything turned on Probably here. Probably a little so. bit later. No, it's not. Uh, I don't know what you can do. You're going to have to come around to this other side and share a mic with Lauren at this point. So, Doctor, yeah, if you wouldn't mind over, shuffling doctor. over, we'd appreciate that. What's that? Bob St. Laurent is now waving at us. <laughs> come on, yeah, come in, would you? Yeah, come on in, Bob. Bob, this is this is a Thanksgiving party here. Since we could hear you through from your studio into here, we were talking about you, so I'm glad you came in. Wouldn't you wish a happy Thanksgiving? This is our Thanksgiving show. Oh, gobble, gobble. Morning. Happy Uncle Alan, this is your chance to move around. Come around. Oh, this you're is coming the, around. He's going to get on Lord's this, mic? This microphone is now, not wait, doing so well. Are you hearing me through speaker? No, just through the glass. You have got a voice that projects through closed doors, through studios. We were commenting you were simulcasting without throwing any switches. I should really get a job in radio. Yeah, you have. I've been working on it. So wish me luck. All right, Bob. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Happy Thanks Thanksgiving, for swinging, everyone. Swinging in. All right, Lauren, set up the chairs for Dr. Steen. Right. This is all live on the air, shuffling furniture and everything. So while we're doing that, I'm going to turn to my mother and my aunt, and we're just going to talk about. Um, but you got to close this door first. Close the door first. Here we go. This is live radio, excitement, closing doors, shuffling chairs. Very exciting what's going on. You can only hear this on 1440 KVON. Let's talk Thanksgiving. This is why we're here. I love this holiday. I can talk about what I recall, but let's get into, let's go, let's go back a ways. In the Matt household, this is my Aunt Marcia, my mother, what was, what was Thanksgiving like, what are some of your memories growing up and some of the family traditions? Um, Aunt Marcia. I remember the house was always filled to capacity. And sometimes uh, there was even a Thanksgiving where uh, some poor soul called my mother and said she was going to take her girls to the drugstore 
for Thanksgiving dinner, and all of a sudden there were three more places at the table, and we had were out of chairs, and Mom never sat down. Um, so it was just always jam-packed. And the other thing, and, and just very festive, uh, the one other thing I do remember is our cranberry sauce was we went through a transition for years it was made with whipped cream and marshmallows <laughs> and a certain point after bunny and art got married it was quite a few years ago we decided we all of a sudden we switched healthy to, to so from whipped cream yeah to what to cut this wonderful cranberry relish but no whipped cream no marshmallows and it was like a jolt the first year it was like a Scooby-Doo moment. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, yeah, and marshmallows happens to be my favorite food group, so it it, it was very sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you, um, that was just... Well, you said those... So, so did you ever come back to the marshmallows? I mean, I mean, growing up, I've never had marshmallows as part of my Thanksgiving feast, so mom, no, you no, never no. pursued this. I had to uh, run away from home and go to camp and have <laughs> s'mores. And that's when I got marshmallows back in that, my life. That was your fix by going exactly. to Exactly. Back to Aunt Marsha. Well, I'm just saying, you know, there is a thing called marshmallow cream that is purchasable. Oh. <laughs> okay. Because it happens to be one of my favorite. Uh, that must be a genetic thing. The mar- the mar- marshmallows. Well, well, I know uh, for, for past birthdays, I've made sure my mother is stocked with marshmallows. And Aunt Marcia, you have given as gifts to our family these gigantic marshmallows. Oh, yeah. And, right. <laughs> and folks who are hearing odd things in the background, this is just... <laughs> my Uncle Alan has switched chairs to, I think, what is the squeakiest <laughs> chair in the building. So. Yeah, we'll we'll switch chairs at the break. As long as you just don't move. Just sit <laughs> completely still. You may talk, but don't move a muscle. <laughs> this is like a Thanksgiving dinner where just you never know what to expect and thing crazy things just happen when you get the the relatives together. Now now you mentioned how your mother, my my grandmother was very generous and she allowed these people to come and sit and she had no place to sit. And I think that just summed up her personality. She was very giving, very generous. I, I, I wish I had more time to get to know my grandfather. I certainly grew up with, with your mother until, you know, unfortunately just a couple of years ago was when she passed away. But I had a very long and wonderful relationship with her. Now, your father, I only knew till my age of four. Uh, four and a half or so, and I, I wish I had more time because the stories are wonderful. I, I hope maybe you could share some because he was the cook in the family. Your wow. mother was not <laughs> so much the sh- – I mean, the the joke I always heard growing up was that your mom made the best reservations, right? You she know, could get a table at any <laughs> fancy restaurant in did. Los Angeles. They loved her. They did. You wanted to go to Spago, she'd just give a ring, and boom, you're at Spago. But she wasn't much of a cook herself. But your father, I hear, was. Okay, I just have to, in mom's defense, say yes. that she made fantastic soups. Yes. And, and her pies were sublime. Every year for my birthday cake, I asked for a boysenberry pie, which was unfortunate because boysenberries weren't in season at that point. Oh. But her <laughs> pies were remarkably flaky crusts and, and wonderful. Now, that's interesting. I, I do remember she made a great pecan pie, and her chicken soup, you're right, was fabulous. But I don't remember a whole lot else. There was a meatloaf, I think she made at the Lipton. Uh, Onion mix, yeah, no, uh, which 
anyhow, that's interesting, though, because baking and certainly pie crust is a, a science unto itself. Do you think it's because she had an analytical mind and was a teacher she could do the science of baking and put a crust together? She actually was. I remember once, at one point, she called me. She had done, if she didn't like the way it felt in her hands, she would throw it away and start over again. And I actually, I copied down her recipe and it was years after I'd moved away from home and she called me and she asked for me, asked me just to double check. So she was very analytical, but you wouldn't, that wasn't the first thing you'd notice about her. As you said, she was very warm and it, generous. It was her warmth. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But you're about to tell a story about your father and his cooking. Oh, yeah. So daddy really was an amazing cook. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't cook that often. Mom was more kind of perfunctory, get the food on the table. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't something that she was brought up doing, but that's another story. Anywho, you, you can tell it. This is well, you know, no, no. Bunny says no. Bunny okay. says no. Okay, never mind. I love the family dynamic. Let's here. get back to the father. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So daddy just. I'm, I'm only the host except when my mom is here, and then she takes over, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So daddy, daddy had great flair and made dad, Whenever daddy cooked, he would cook. He would use every pot and pe- utensil in the kitchen. Um, no ma- even if he was just cooking for the family, uh-huh. uh, there were all. I mean, and Alan may may be able to speak to this as well. But even even when it was just the family, it was there were all the, there were sauces. There were many different parts to it. He was not a one pot uh, cook, mm. and his food was delicious. Okay, that that's that's what I was that I was hoping the punchline was. Did you have any specialties that you remember? Thanksgiving wise, holiday wise. Well, he was Russian. Yeah. He was Russian, so he made a pirushki that was out of this world, and he made uh, elaborate seafood concoctions. His specialty, he was known far and wide for his latkes on Hanukkah, ah. and and he fabricated. He fabricated. He he had made. He designed and had made a a square pan that fit over the entire top of the stove all four burners all four burners and each corner had um an adjustable it could be adjusted each corner oh, hot, could yeah be like a little raised a little, little levery thing exactly adjustable yeah. so that once he poured the oil in for the latkes if the oil wasn't perfectly even it could be adjusted mm. so none of this puddling over in one direction well he was an engineer and he had a rubber plant it surprises me not that he was able to do something like this. <laughs> well, it, it it was extraordinary, and and we did grow up in Los Angeles, but that pan now resides here in Napa Valley. It 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 is a precious belonging, and maybe Uncle Alan can speak to that Hanukkah. Experience. And I'm just going to see. There's the phone is ringing, so let's just. I'm out of curiosity. I'm just curious who. Oh, and has hung up. So maybe the phone will call. Will return. This is. Hopefully somebody I'm expecting. Yes, Uncle Alan, you have something to say about latkes and the latke pan? Well, that latke pan was, uh, the word amazing comes to mind. Uh, One thing they didn't talk much about Seymour's culinary efforts was he never cooked for a small amount of people. I mean, when he cooked, there was like an infantry division about ready to come in and have dinner. I mean, he, he was a volume chef. 
and also an absolutely enchanting guy to talk with. I missed our conversation. I used to stand around and watch him once in a while cooking, and our conversations were unbelievable. I mean, no, my, my point is that I've been around food and cooking. Um, I guess, what do they call us now? Foodies, foodies. I'm a, I'm a foodie since my mother started me cooking at five years old, uh, when I was five. Um, she had a chair built or a stool built where I could stand up next to her and Mama would do something, and then I then she tell me to do it. And then she would criticize if I did it well, or criticize if I did it badly, and how to get out easily, or just throw the thing out. Unfortunately, those were the days of what we call the depression, and in those days, food was hard to come by. It was it was, it was a big problem. There were people living on both sides of us of our home. Uh, the, the, if they didn't have soup kitchens in the churches, uh, they would have starved to death. We're not in that, I hope, never have that again in America. But that was the situation. My point is that we, in my house, my dad worked very diligently to, uh, to make a, enough, uh, enough money so that we never went had a problem with getting food. But I do remember the preparation. We started maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving uh, to collect all the little goodies you had to put in, the dressing and the cranberry sauce and all that. And one moment, I'm just going to interrupt to see who, who might be on the phone. Hello, are you on the air? Ah, this is this is my wife Holly. Holly, hang on the line, and we're going to talk about talk to you in a moment. We've got Uncle Alan talking. It's just I, I'm not a professional on the board here, so and they're not going to be able to hear you because they don't have headphones on. Okay. I'm giving away all the magic of the the radio right now, but please continue. We're talking about your father earning money so that everyone could eat. Well, again, most people I'm sure have not been in a situation like that. And again, there was a, a sense of excitement uh, that Thanksgiving was on its way I and mean, we were collecting and some of the ingredients we never had around the house until Thanksgiving. And at that time, these goodies kept flowing, flowing in and my mother was busy uh, cooking and collecting. And uh, there was a sense of, of joy uh, besides that, we're going to eat some good stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what, what, what were you eating? You grew up in a small town in western Illinois, right on the Mississippi River. What were some of the Thanksgiving goodies that you had? Well, we succumbed to eating turkey, which, yeah. was, which was a wonderful thing to do. Uh, my dad was in a, bu- a business. Uh, we He owned an ice plant, and we uh, took uh, the uh, – were the what do you call the, the – uh, the French call it the abattoir. Uh, I can't remember. The, the slaughterhouse. The, the slaughter. I didn't want to use that word. That's all right. We're going to just say it. The slaughterhouse we furnished, and so we were we were all up on the good turkeys and where they came from and so forth. So we were intimately associated with this. Uh, no, no, I'm just asking you to talk right in the mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I don't want it to bite me. No. Uh, well, uh, at any rate, it was a great sense of, uh, I don't know, 
just just joy in the house to see all this goings on with the preparing. And we had an orchard by our home of about dozen apple trees, and we always had an incredible apple pie made not by my mother, but by Margaret Verdeck. Margaret Verdeck. Margaret Verdeck came from the Verdeck family in Marshall, Minnesota. She came to be our housekeeper with us. I love. We all loved her. She had seven brothers who worked on a, I forget how many thousand acre plot in North Dakota, uh, North Dakota, nor, uh, the northern United States. My point is she had seven brothers who went out and worked for four hours and came in every morning for breakfast. Okay, are, are we on, on? No, I'm just pointing at the microphone because you're oh. looking at me, but I'd hope you keep looking uh, okay. towards the microphone so I can hear you better. And uh, they used to make breakfast after four hours of work for those seven brothers. And she made her, she and her mother six or seven pies almost daily. And she was one of the great, you talked about pies and uh, a crust that, uh, you know, many, many professional chefs would look to Margaret for their perfection. And these are from the apples that you were growing right there on your property? Right on the property. That's wonderful. Now, this is in the, well, you said perhaps during the Depression days. Yeah, it was in the late 30s. And your folks, uh, your father came from Lithuania right? many years before. What year did he get to uh, the U.S.? Well, he was born in 1898, but he came in 1900. Okay, so he was two years old. I was about to ask if there was a big adjustment, but if he was two, he grew up pretty much American. I was wondering about the Thanksgiving thing. He was was a corn farmer uh, among his many... By the age of two, he was a corn farmer yeah, in Illinois. But, uh, okay. <laughs> he, he started uh, young. But at any rate, th- th- that I remember this, th- and also my mother's dressing, which I keep and make to this day. Oh, you do? Which, and I pass that, that knowledge on to my daughter, Eva, who does a pretty, a very good Im- imitation of what my mother made. Would you be willing to also pass that along to your nephew? To keep the recipe alive, absolutely, it's a it's a beauty. Okay. It really, well, okay. at a, any rate, it was yeah. it was a great it, it was a a sense of family being together, and and I would go shopping with mom to the various various places. You, everything wasn't in one supermarket. Uh, in those days, there weren't any supermarkets. Supermarkets came in in the late thirties. And this this was all in the mid thirties. I was about five or six years old. So there was a lot of going out to source the proper ingredients. To, sometimes, now, sometimes to farms. To the actual farms. Actual farms. Now I do want to get back to this. I know uh, Holly's on the line, and I know she has a very limited amount of time because the, uh, my wife Holly, for those that don't know, our kids have been asked to speak today at a at a leadership group about their Be Kind movement. So she's running to go get them bring them over. So I just want to get a few maybe recollections about Holly's growing up, also closer to where my mom and aunt grew up, a different time, of course. Uh, Marsha, Bunny, you guys are from Los Angeles. Holly from a little further south in Orange County, but probably a very different experience than you just heard Uncle Alan talking about, uh, family heading to farms to source the ingredients. Uh, what do you have some good recollections of your family Thanksgiving, Holly, that you can oh, share? I 
do. You do. Okay. Um, my family in Southern California, we would all gather at my great aunt and uncle's home in Claremont, California. And our tradition was, and, and it was multi-generational. So my great grandmother, my grandmother, my parents, and my great aunt and uncle and their children. And we had a very traditional Thanksgiving celebration with turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing, but there was always one special thing that I always looked forward to. Oh, yes. What is this? Famous for, and that was for Jell-O. Jell-O. For Jell-O, yes. (laughs) Yes. Our family Thanksgiving would not be complete without my Aunt Elaine, my great Aunt Elaine's and that was probably what I looked forward to most of all. Was it was it a special nope. Jello? Did it nope. have marshmallows nope. in it? Did it have shredded coleslaw? Was it a parfait? No, it was just nope. just plain old Jello. Just <laughs> what flavor? Um, usually lime. Lime Jello. That was your. Well, this is you know I I've known you now. I I believe we're going on what nineteen years, darling. It's or it's 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 been nineteen years. We're coming up on twenty. I don't know that I've ever heard this story before, but you're yes. giving me some inspiration yes. for our Thanksgiving coming up, <laughs> of which of which my aunt and my mother will be in attendance, and they are both laughing but also squinting somehow. And I'm not, I, but I think they're still they're willing to yes. try. I know I Uncle hasn't. What's that? Definitely add Jello to our Thanksgiving feast. We may. Now, I'm curious. My uncle here was talking about his early Thanksgiving givings being during the Depression years. And your great uncle and aunt are of the the same generation. And your grandmother, who will be joining us as well for Thanksgiving, I'm very excited. They, They often... Talk about those days. Was was there any talk at your family gatherings? Did they compare? Do you recall this as a child? Because, I, I mean, I hear to this day from time to time when we get together with either, you know, un- your uncle or your grandma, they, they talk about how they had to be so frugal and they had to make things last longer and there wasn't a lot of money or food to go around. Did that Did that shadow ever come up during your Thanksgivings? Did it give you definitely. more to be thankful? It, it definitely did. And... Yes, there is definitely a sense of frugalness around the meal that we were just lucky to have what we have, but we sort of didn't get much of anything. We got one piece of turkey, one piece of jello, and anybody who knows my my special great uncle Bernie can understand that he's quite a frugal person, and so that sort of just went along with his personality. Okay, so I would imagine it gave you much more to contemplate and be thankful for, even if you weren't allowed the second piece of Jello during the dinner. You could leave there being thankful that you know times had changed in your regular life. There was a little yes. bit more to yes. take advantage of. Yes, I always left there feeling thankful and a little bit hungry. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well. Having just celebrated uh, Uncle Bernie's, I hope I'm not giving away too much, uh, 90th birthday, he got through those times. He, he obviously he was well-nourished and uh, strong and vibrant and continues to be to this day. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Thank you for allowing me to share that memory. Yes. 
I, I know I'm you've got to run. Yes, um, I'm definitely planning to bring back Jello this year at our Thanksgiving feast. Okay. A nod to my great aunt, aunt and uncle. Wonderful, wonderful. I will look forward to that. Thank you. I almost had a question you, mark in that Peter. sentence, and I, I muffled it. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, well, good luck. I know the kids are going to be great. I'm going to try to get over there as well. I'm so proud that they are being asked to speak about yes, their Be Kind indeed. movement to this leadership group. Indeed. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving now. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy bye. birthday. Oh, yes. She spilled the beans. It is her birthday as well. Okay, bye, Holly. Bye. Okay, we are going to take a little break here, and uh, when we come back, more Thanksgiving recollections from... My family. You're listening to a special Thanksgiving edition of Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. At 1440 on your AM dial in Northern California and streaming live around the world at KVON.com, we're celebrating Thanksgiving on Judd's Napa Valley Show. That's right, Lauren Mole. Thank you very much. I thought, what better way to celebrate than fill the room with my relatives and just see what happens. And, and so far, actually, the craziness has not come from my family. It's come from the, the microphone that, for some reason, today is not working, the squeaky chair that wouldn't shut, uh, uh, the, be quiet. Um, We're on our good behavior, you've been very You've been great, Aunt Marcia. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's see. We're, we're having Thanksgiving recollections. You know, I'm curious. Uncle Alan, you have not joined our Thanksgiving for the last several years because your your eldest child, my cousin Eva, has begun having her own Thanksgiving, and they always do a theme. They do a fusion. It's been a, there's been like an Asian fusion, a Mexican fusion, and this year they're doing an Eastern European. Fusion. You want to tell us a little bit about what you're prepping and what they're prepping? That sounds so interesting to put a sub-theme to Thanksgiving. Well, um, And what else? Like? Oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll fill in in a second. Go ahead, sorry. Well, the, the theme this year is German-Bohemian cuisine. All right. And I've been asked to prepare a dish that I know. Yes. And, and it's called Spätzl. Spätzl. And it's, it's really... Uh, well, it's so easy that it's uh, you could make the whole thing in 18 minutes, believe it, from start to finish. Would you like to, you know, we have had James McNair in the past leading up to the holidays, and he gives some little recipes and cooking tips. Would you like to now have that spot and give Dr. Alan Steen's tips on spetzel making for okay. fun and profit? <laughs> okay, well, the Italians have something rather sim- similar. It's called gnocchi. Yeah. It's just uh, done physically a little bit. Okay, you take a special, a special kind of uh, flour. You mix it with a little freshly ground uh, nutmeg and uh, freshly ground white pepper, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, let's see what else. And a little water. And uh, is there egg in there? Or no, uh, egg? there are two eggs. Two eggs. Two eggs. And you make this this sort of glurpy dough that mm-hmm. sort of flows, yeah. it's loose, and you put it through a Spätzlmacher, or they call in German uh, Spätzlreicher, uh, I mean, uh, to reichen means to uh, 
scrape. Yeah. And you scrape it in through a hole in a, a spetzelmacher. Yes. And uh, into a pot of boiling water. And uh, it goes to the bottom. And then as it's cooked, it floats to the top. You take it out, rinse it off with cold water, and then keep it up to three or four days if you want to. There you go. The Dr. Day- Alan Steen, who we have established in past episodes, is a globe-trotting culinary uh, explorer. You take cooking classes around the world. That sounds nice, and I know they've got some wines that they brought back from Eastern Europe they're going to be serving. And what's lovely is that they always invite people who may not have another place to go. Sometimes they might, might not even know the folks that well. I've, I saw a thing on Facebook where they said, we have five spaces at our table. Who wants to come? And they're not even sure who who might show up. Well, that should be, I think, a, a, a part of Thanksgiving to invite a stranger. Some of us are more lucky than others, and we should share our luck with other people, especially on Thanksgiving. Uh, well, there's a lot to that. And this year, you know, we were certainly affected here by the fires, and there are many people who are displaced. They may not have a home, and. Uh, I know that the the table certainly every year feeds those who are hungry in Napa. And everybody sitting here I know has worked with the table. And But you usually do Christmas. Is that correct? We do Christmas. Um, the table is covered on a daily basis uh, for anybody who wants lunch. Just come by. Sometimes we feed well over 200 people. Would you like to say where it is? It's at the the Presbyterian Church. Food service starts at 3 o'clock, and it ends at, is it 4.45? Yes, exactly. 3 to 4.45? Excellent memory. The friendly people are there to greet you, good food, anybody who wants a meal. Different organizations take a a day on a monthly basis, and it's, it's well attended, and everybody enjoys being there. It's it's good for everyone. On Christmas Day, the local synagogue congregation, Beth Shalom, has taken over uh, the meal. And it's usually quite elaborate, wonderful decorations. There are gifts. As people leave, there's a wonderful gift bag for everyone, a special gift bag for men, a special gift bag for women. There are there are items for children. If children show up, we see who it is, what age they are, quickly wrap up a gift, mm. and everybody goes out happy. It's just a wonderful, wonderful day, That's, as Christmas should be. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's, and it is great that every day there's somewhere to go eat, should you be hungry. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about, we were sharing early some... some uh, some memories, and one of my favorite now Thanksgiving memories happened just last year. And, uh, you know, most folks who know me, I'm not a hunter. I do have many friends and neighbors who are, and they've often offered to bring me stuff. You know, I'm going duck hunting, or I'm going whatever. I got some venison, uh, uh, and yet nobody's really delivered on that. And I get excited. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have some fresh duck. I'm going to have some fresh venison. You know, I'll trade you some wine. That I've got. But not being a hunter myself, I've, I'm, I'm not out there getting it, but I'd like, I'd like to partake in their, their whatever, their, the, the bounty of whatever it is that they've uh, got. But last year, 
And this person isn't even particularly a hunter. I think he was just trying to clear his property. And uh, <laughs> and uh, a relative, I'm not sure if I should name names because who knows the proper who knows what's were taken. But a relative called and said that he or she had shot a turkey and would I like it for Thanksgiving. And I said, you bet. I don't have a lot of time to deal with the uh, prep. So if you can clean it, you know, get the get the feathers off it, gut it. Bring it down, we'll cook it up. And so this this relative did, and it wasn't a very big bird. I don't know, maybe it was like an eight pounder, something like. That. I mean, it was it was decent size, but but the point is not big, meaning you couldn't eat a lot of it. I've never prepped a wild turkey before, and who knew wild turkeys actually use their muscles to run and fly, and they're 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 strong. So it was very muscly. So really, just the the breast meat we could eat, but I threw it on the grill with a little smoke. And it was absolutely delicious. The, delicious. It was so much more flavorful Wonderful. than a store-bought <laughs> turkey. You know, it's eating stuff that turkeys eat out in the wild. I've, again, I'm so ignorant. I'm imagining uh, fruits, berries, seeds. I don't know what turkeys eat. If you want to send me a grapes. note, feel free. Great. Well, we know that they eat grapes. They eat a lot of our grapes. Occasion, in the day. Occasional insects. And insects. Thank you. are a scientist. <laughs> Whatever insects they eat, that was a good, good turkey. So... Any of my hunter friends out there who uh, will be getting turkeys in the next uh, month or so, feel free. I'll trade you a little wine. It was delicious. I'd love to cook up another. And I will be doing the store-bought turkey because that's really the only place I know to, to get a turkey unless one of my hunter friends delivers in the style that my father started many years ago. And if I don't do it, there'll be a riot, it seems. Oh, yes. People love oh, yes. this version. And it's uh, brine it, do an overnight brine, apple juice brine goes on the smoker. He always smoked it in the Weber for a couple hours anyway uh, with indirect heat and then put the Asian-style hoisin plum glaze on there. And it is absolutely amazing. It comes out, it's a spectacle. It comes out absolutely black, like it looks powder-coated. But it's not because it's burnt. It's that, it's that hoisin plum glaze just making this gorgeous caramelized crust on the outside. It's a fun treat. I'll make a traditional I'm turkey. Now. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, I'm, I usually do make a traditional turkey at least once during the regular year because I love kind of your normal "quote unquote" turkey. Still brine it because I think that's a great way to add flavor, retain the moisture, but then give it the kind of you know the 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 butter, herbs, and salt treatment and throw it in the oven, and that's delicious. Yummy. But there's something about that uh, Thanksgiving having that smoky hoisin plum that's. That's the flavor of Thanksgiving to me. And you do it beautifully, Judd. Well, thank you very much, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> you carry on the tradition. I certainly appreciate that. We're, we've only got a few minutes left, and I'd, I'd love to have if there's any other recollections, some Thanksgiving stories that come to mind from either Aunt Marcia. Yes. This isn't really a story, although I okay. do have some of those. I just wanted to say, I kept thinking, I keep coming back to this. As a child, Thanksgiving was always my favorite holiday. And... It, it, I still feel the same way. There's something really special about a, our country having a whole day of gratitude. Yeah. You know, it may not always meet our expectations of what our what we'd imagine that we would love to have. You know, nobody has a magic wand. But just taking the time to be grateful is just a remarkable thing. And knowing that everybody across the country, even if it's just that you're alive, you know, you may have be facing difficulties. But it just, I think that's a very special thing um, that to have a day 
of kind of nationwide gratitude. Yeah. Well, it's very important to take that time and think about uh, how fortunate uh, we are in our own lives in whatever way that you want to count yourself fortunate and reflect upon that and either do it with family and friends. Some people, I actually have some friends who prefer to kind of not be around folks on Thanksgiving. It's, it becomes their day to uh, be contemplative and do their own thing. And, you know, and that, that's, what it, that's what the holiday is there for. So however you celebrate, I think it's, it's wonderful to take that time, have some appreciation. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Gratitude is the key word. Now, Lauren Mole is sitting here and hasn't really piped in much. I know you, we've talked about this before. You're much more of a, a traditionalist. You like the roast turkey, the mashed potatoes. Do you ever go out on a limb ever with some of your culinary adventures? Well, not quite as often, though. No, what... What's what's your ideal Thanksgiving, or what's the the Mole family Thanksgiving tradition? You often go visit relatives, yes, or is that for Christmas? Uh, well, usually uh, they would come down. Oh, they come to you. I'm sorry for Thanksgiving, but uh, but I have to work uh, this Thanksgiving. Oh, so you'll be over at Knob Hill Foods on Thanksgiving. I'll be working there. So yeah. people need some last minute gravy fixins or something. You'll be able to help them out. Yes, but then I'm going to go visit my relatives uh, later on. Okay, well, that's good. You'll get a little bit of a holiday meal. A little in. bit of family time. And what are you looking forward to uh, stuffing into your face? Uh, the turkey and uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. And I can't forget my favorite, pumpkin pie. Oh, my goodness. That's one of my... <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know what? You are definitely a traditionalist, but there ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh, no. I'm looking forward to all of that as well. We have somebody who brings just fabulous. We call our, our meal the communal feast, which is just a nicer way to say a potluck because I can't cook all that for everybody. But we offer – I do the turkey, you know, provide the, the, the wines, the beverages, maybe another side dish, and then people bring something. We have somebody who does a great uh, mashed potatoes. I'm not sure if we have a pumpkin pie coming this year or not. Aunt Marcia is raising your hand. Are you bringing a pumpkin I'm pie? I'm not bringing oh. a pumpkin pie, but I do want to say, because I remember when I was little and our mother would, like, do everything. Ah. And there's something wonderful about having a communal thing because everybody brings something that they love to mm -hmm. the table. And so you can, if you maybe don't know people that well, you can ask them about what they brought. There are secrets, yeah. you know, that they included. But there's some, they're adding something to the meal. And I think that's a really nice gesture. Absolutely. I think it adds to a little appreciation of uh, someone else's background. As you know, over the past few years, we have had, well, for many years, we have friends uh, of, of Indian background, you know, from India, and they bring samosas as an appetizer. And then last year, there were, I think, four different families, and this wasn't on purpose or anything, but they were all <laughs> from India. So we had, it wasn't, you know, we didn't set out to have, you know, a very Indian Finkelstein family Thanksgiving. It's just, these are our friends, and they, they came over. And the, the flavors, I loved that, that fusion, unintended, but so... Lovely to be able to share that cultural experience, you know, having samosas and there was this very cool kind of veggie dip that had some great aromatic spices in it. It was delicious. Yeah. We were, yeah. We were very happy last Thanksgiving. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Whether you're traditional or you like to go exploring, I think, as Aunt Marcia pointed out before, the, the point is just to show that. Take, take a few moments. That's all. Just take a few moments, which I'm doing right now. Amen. Amen. Uncle Alan, anything to wrap up? Actually, this, this is the wrap-up. I think the wrap-up is just to say thanks and goodbye and happy Thanksgiving. 
Thanks, goodbye, and happy, happy Thanksgiving. I'm so happy to have had my family in. That went much better than expected. I thank you for being on your best behavior. I'm kidding. Everyone's great, always. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful to have such a wonderful family and such a great professional announcer as Mr. Lauren Mole, who will now sign off for this Thanksgiving edition. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.